0: welcome to studying the steps where we take a deeper dive into the 12 steps. In each episode, an alcoholic woman in recovery helps us study individual steps as outlined in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Through her personal experience and knowledge of working the program, she gives insight on how to apply and practice the spiritual principles being studied. This podcast is from the Magdalene House, a recovery community for alcoholic women. We are a nonprofit organization located in Dallas, Texas, and we provide comprehensive recovery services to alcoholic women at absolutely no cost. You can learn more and support our mission at MagdalenHouse.org. Please note, the curriculum we teach through our programs at Maggie's is from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. However, we are not an Alcoholics Anonymous group, and we are not associated with AA. We're so glad you're here. Thanks for listening. We have Chloe
1: on who is one of my favorite alcoholic women. And I'm not just saying that because she's my boss. (laughs) Um, So I'm so excited for you guys to be able to um, hear her do a workshop on step 10 for us. If you have any questions at all, please um, feel free and ask them or put them in the chat. um, If this is being recorded, if you don't want your voice on the recording, If you all have not listened to her eight and nine, that is on the podcast as well. So you can look for that on Spotify if you want to listen to that after you hear all of the wonders of step 10 from Miss Chloe. Chloe, we have some newbies on, so I'm going to turn it over to you. But if you could also just introduce yourself for the, um, it's been a minute since you've been on. So that way the ladies get to get to know who you are. Absolutely. Well, I am an alcoholic. My name is Chloe.
2: Um, my sobriety date is July seventh, nineteen ninety-two. I do have a home group. I have a sponsor. My sponsor has a sponsor. I am a sponsor. I am also the director of programs at the Magdalen House. So um, I get to, you know, be part of this really amazing team of women, and you know, each day I am just, you know, so unbelievably overwhelmed gratitude, you know, for just all of the gifts that sobriety has brought to me. Um, So I will talk about step 10. It's one of those funny things. that I'm always like, how can I talk for an hour about a step? And shockingly, I always can. (laughs) So it definitely is made easier for me. If you guys have questions, you know, or anything like that, you know, I think, and I could say this about any of the steps, you know, Well, step 10 for me, like just personally for myself, it's one that I have just, you know, really struggled with throughout my recovery about consistency and about diligence and, um, you know, commitment to it because it is, it's a commitment and um, it's an area where my self-will and my self-reliance wants to come back over and over again, you know, in the form of me thinking, oh, like I, you know it's not that big of a deal. I don't need to call my sponsor about this. I, um, you know, like I I know what she's going to say anyway. Um, You know, I'll just do a quick, you know, fourth column, what's my part. And it really ends up um, just diminishing the entire purpose of step 10. So I want to first start on 59, where it has our handy little list of our steps. And Um, Step 10 is continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Um, And so what that means just very basically is that that I am throughout my day being aware and mindful and awake to how I show up. Now, I can't really do this if I haven't done the four through nine like that's the, the bottom line is four through nine is where i'm really learning about the flaws in my makeup i'm learning about the stage character that i play i'm learning about the defects of character that i'm um driven by what my fears are you know it's like i i've, I've become awakened to you know who i am multi-dimensionally right like what, when i am in fear what do i do and so if I haven't done a thorough fourth step, if I haven't you know, shared that with a sponsor, if I haven't really looked in step six and seven at what those defects of character that, that rule me, then I can't effectively do a 10th step. I just can't because I don't know yet. So, you know, but, but again, now that, you know, now that I'm at that step, now that I'm here, now that, you know, I've been given instruction on this you know, for myself, um, again, you know, I, this is where my self-reliance shows up most frequently, where I just think I don't need somebody else. And just to kind of, you know, like cut to the punchline, you know, like it it doesn't matter how long we are recovered. I personally always need that outside person to whom I am being accountable to. Some of it is so that um, it's to right-size me, You know, some of it is, you know, so that I am, you know, so I'm not in a position where I am the gatekeeper of my own actions and my own beliefs and my own thoughts and my own fears, where I'm really being transparent and um, being humbled. By sharing just how petty I still am, just how petty is like my biggest defect. I am so petty. I am so self-centered. I am so I am so fearful. I am so insecure. Like all of these things crop up on a daily basis. And if I'm keeping it to myself, then I'm trying to like we learned in four and five, you know, or really fifth step. I'm trying to um, enjoy this reputation that I know that I don't deserve. And that's what the tenth step is about. Is really being so completely upfront with somebody about who i really am you know i am really still so afraid of being hurt i am so afraid of what other people think of me that when that comes up here's what i do and when i can bring that to a sponsor before i've gotten into the solution on the front end where i'm still in the mess then i'm giving her the opportunity to teach me i am you know i am remaining teachable i'm remaining humble um, and I am allowing some. I'm allowing God to use somebody else. I'm allowing God to use another channel with which to direct me.
0: Um, and again, you know, I
2: the first thing I always need to do is reduce that pride and ego because those are the things that block me from God so quickly. And the tenth step, I believe, you know, is all about reduction of um, pride and ego. You know, <clears throat> to back up just a little bit, um, sort of an overview.
0: You know, I, I
2: think, um, you know, when, when I'm not willing to tent step or when I'm not tent stepping, it's not an, it's not a tenth step issue. It's a first step issue. And we can say that about any of the steps. It's oh That's always the truth for me, that if I'm not tent stepping, it's because I don't believe my life depends on it. If I'm not making amends, it's because I don't believe that my life depends on it. And so anytime I'm balking on a step, anytime I'm dragging my feet, I have to bring it back to those very basic things that that I learned about myself in step 1 that basic surrender of do I believe that I need that that lack of power is my dilemma do I do I believe that do I believe that I am doomed if I believe that then there can be no balking in any of these steps if I truly truly have that you know if I'm living in that place of complete surrender then there is no balking. There is no contingencies. My pride and ego have right-sized me and I am willing to pick up that phone and say, here, here's how I'm feeling. Here's what I did. Here's, you know, how I just acted. Um, because I believe, and I, and I'm operating from that place of really understanding that I don't have the luxury that other men have of, um, of living in this stuff, you know, I that, that I need to do this. Um, okay. So again, it's a first step issue, and I and and that and I can still be there. I can still think that I that I have this luxury, that I have a little wiggle room, that it's not that big of a deal. That like oh, it's not like I'm gonna drink over this. Um, but the truth is, you know, like I've just done, you know, if I'm if I'm on step ten, I've just done all of this hard work, um, you know, in one through nine, or you know, especially four through nine of clearing away all of the stuff that blocks me from God. And that's the point of this. Like, that's the point of step 10 is that I've just cleared away all of this, um, all of this garbage, all of, you know, again, these fears, these resentments, these secrets, these, um, you know, these character defects, I've offered it to God. I've shared it with another person. And, you know, I have stepped into the sunlight of the spirit here. Like I, like I am connected. I am, you know, um, You know, like, and and that's what, you know, we're accessing power now. And so step 10 is really being able to do four through nine all day long, you know, staying connected and trying to keep those, um, you know, those things that will block me from God um, cleared away. Because again, you know, if, if I truly believe that lack of power is my dilemma, then what I need more than anything is to access power okay so let's go into the book for a minute we'll start on 84. and you know this is following after you know we've just read the ninth step promises um and so in the middle of 84 it's it's asking are these extravagant promises we think not they are being fulfilled among us sometimes quickly sometimes slowly they will always materialize if we work for them this thought brings us to step 10 which suggests We continue to take personal inventory and continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along. So this is telling me that this is something I continue to do. This isn't a one and done. This is, you know, something that I'm going to continue to take personal inventory, which was our fourth step, right? We're going to keep doing, and it may not, you know, in, in step 10, we're not necessarily writing it down. This, this is like a spot check. This is like on the go. This is throughout the day because, I mean, maybe you guys are better at this than I am, but I have remained very human and very flawed even with lots of experience with this stuff. And so I have to continue to do this all through the day. Um, We vigorously commenced this way of living as we cleaned up the past. And so, you know, again, like these are really clear directions. So we're vigorously commencing this way of living, which this way of living is continuing to set right, any new mistakes? Continuing to take personal inventory as we cleaned up the past. So this is so as we cleaned up the past, that's our ninth step, right? So, you know, again to kind of jump backwards, we've just finished writing our fourth step. We've shared our fifth step with our sponsor. We've taken that list of character defects. We've given it to God. We've written our um, our eight step list of amends. And then we start cleaning up the past, and as we are doing this, immediately, right away, we are doing step ten. Okay, like th- this, it's going hand in hand with with making these amends. Um, the last thing we want is to set aside this tenth step and continue to cause harm to other people and keep adding to that eight-step list. I mean, we do it anyway, but we, you know, we're trying our our best not to. We have entered the world of the spirit, which is, you know, that we, we built that, that arch, right? Um, you know, in, in the, we've built that arch, we've stepped through, we've entered the world of the spirit. Our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. This is not an overnight matter. It should continue for our lifetime. So one thing I want you to notice as we read through this, we've already, that's the third, I, th- I believe, that's the third time we've used the word continue it's gonna keep saying it, that this is all about continuing over and over again, continue to do this, continue to do this. We don't, we don't arrive, we, we don't arrive at um, you know, perfect. We don't arrive, I mean, we do arrive at recovered, but that doesn't mean that we're not still causing, um, that, we're, that we're not still showing up with fear and with resentment and you know, with defects of character. So conti- here's another, continue to watch. And so here's what we're looking for. We're looking for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. That's, th- those are the things that we're really trying to be mindful about throughout our day, because from those, everything else springs, right? Like, you know, the, you know my jealousy, I've got lots of jealousy. That's like, uh, there's all of these other defects of character, but they fit underneath these sort of broad headers. So this is what we're continuing to look for. And then when these crop up, not if these crop up, when these crop up, all day long, these are cropping up for me. We say this prayer, we ask God. So anytime it's saying we ask God, that's a prayer at once to remove them. So when these crop up, we immediately ask God to remove them. That's the first thing we do. The second thing we do is we discuss them with someone immediately. So that could be, you know, it it, it could be, my sponsor if i can't get my sponsor it's okay to have a couple of trusted um you know friends that we share things with but i do my 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 caution with that is when i'm picking friends to share 10 step with um I have a tendency to cut corners. I, you know, my first inclination is to pick up the phone and call the friend that's going to be like, oh my God, what a jerk. Even if she's sober, even if she's, you know, recovered, even if she's sponsoring other people, she's my friend. You know, if if I'm calling the person that's going to say, oh man, yeah, that, like he was way out of line, that like, that's one of the biggest reasons that I call my sponsor you know, because she never is going to say what a jerk. She's going to say, you know, uh, whoa, you were really selfish there. Or, huh, you know, how does self-reliance show up in this situation? So, you know, again, that, you know, it, it's not the you know, there, there are times that it's appropriate to check in with somebody else. But um, I do, I, I do try to keep this um, to my sponsor. My other really big reason for that is, you know, again, like my pride and ego is always trying to hide out. It's always trying to keep me undercover. It's always trying to, <clears throat> you know, allow, like cut, allow me to cut corners. And, you know, if, if I'm, you know, like if, if I'm driving to work and, you know, somebody cuts me off and I flip them off and I swear at them and then I, you know, call, you know, Sally and do a quick 10 step about that and, you know, And then a little later um, at work, I tell a lie to somebody and I call, you know, Jenny and tell Jenny, you know, that I was just dishonest. And, you know, then at lunch, I go and meet some guy who's not my boyfriend and I, you know, accidentally make out with him a little bit. And then I call, you know, um, Jessica and tell Jessica about that, you know, and, and, you know, Jessica's going like, that's, you know, like, that's not cool, you know. And, and, and all through the day, I'm doing these things, you know, I stop at a store, I shoplift a little bit, and, you know, call Debbie and tell her about it. You know, like, I may be getting good direction from each person, each person may be holding me accountable. But when I'm just giving little pieces to a bunch of different people, it's not that alarming. I mean, not that I should be making out with people accidentally. But, you know, like, it, it looks like an isolated incident. Whereas if I'm calling one person and giving them this whole, like, litany of ways that I'm showing up in my day, she can go, holy shit, man, like, that's, I mean, holy cow, man, that's, you know, really concerning, you know, like, do you look, like, can you see just how disconnected you are? Can you see how you are running on self-will? Like, you are absolutely, you you know, like, you're not, you're not recovered Um, So again, like that's, that, that's my biggest reason for wanting to bring my 10 steps to the same person. Um, You know, ideally my sponsor, if I'm not, if like, if my sponsor is not the one that I want to call, that's probably a bigger issue that I should look at and, you know, and Maybe maybe my sponsor isn't the right fit for me if I'm not taking these things to her. So again, that's that's my that that that's my reason for um, going to one person with um, with my ten steps. Okay, so back to we were on the second thing we do, which is discussing them with someone immediately, and the third thing is we make amends quickly if we have harmed anyone. And so, you know, I and this is probably more of a pet peeve of mine, but um, first of all, first pet peeve is when people will call me and be like, I just need a 10 step for a minute. Oh my God. You know, like Lisa is such a jerk. And then they've just like really want to gossip to me about, you know, like what a jerk so-and-so is. Um, That's not a 10 step, (laughs) you know, that's just really like, you know, dumping your resentment on me or trying to gossip or um, just, you know, engaging in some character assassination, you know, so really like the 10th step is about, um, you know, being transparent about where I'm being affected by something or where my actions are um, questionable. Um, But the other piece with this making amends quickly, there's a difference between making amends and apologizing. Um, and sometimes apologies are the appropriate, you know, um, response. There's nothing wrong with saying, Oh, you know, sorry, man. Like I didn't mean to cut in front of you in that line. Um, or like, Oh, like I, you know, I'm so sorry if that, um, uh, you know, if you wanted that last piece of bacon, but when, when we are making amends it, we are fixing it, you know, we like the, the and again, that, that's why the 10th step is so important that it, in coming after, we have, you know, made it through the first nine steps. Is that we have learned now how to make an amends, and we've learned the, um, you know, th- like the principle behind it. If I'm making an amends, I am taking ownership, and I'm giving the other person an opportunity to share with me how they were affected, and I'm trying to fix it. Um, again, it's not just about taking responsibility; it's about amending the situation. So we're making amends quickly if we have harmed anyone. So if I'm making amends for taking the last piece of bacon, you know, sometimes it's just an apology. Sometimes if I've really caused harm, it's about going out and getting a new package of bacon and cooking it up, right? You know, but again, at this point, you know, we've already talked to our sponsor. We've been given direction. You know, we know what the appropriate way to fix this is. And then the fourth fourth thing is then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. Love and tolerance of others is our code. So turning our thoughts to someone we can help. If I'm at work, that may not mean that I go out and, you know, rake my neighbor's front lawn. Like I'm at work, you know, it's like, that's that's that would be very selfish of me to take away from my employer um, because I want to feel better, you know? Sometimes it's just sending a quick text to somebody saying, hey, thinking about you, I know you were having, um, you know, I know you were going to the doctor today, hope that went well. Um, Sometimes it's just about taking a pause and saying a prayer for somebody. This is turning our thoughts to somebody. This isn't, you know, like I need to go and, you know, volunteer at the soup kitchen for the afternoon. Not that that's wrong, that sometimes is the right thing, but um, this is really about like, where am I supposed to be right now? If I'm supposed to be at work or if I'm at my kid's birthday party, you know, it's not appropriate for me to, you know, go to the soup kitchen you know, what, what's appropriate is again, you know, turning my thoughts to somebody that I can help. And again, it may be, you know, making a plan to do something later. So love and tolerance of others is our code. And I love that. Like, that's that's the code that we're trying to live by today. Love and tolerance of others. And, you know, it's really the filter that we put everything through. Was I loving? Was I tolerant? Um, if not, you know, what what's, what's going on, right? This is, this is how, this is, this is how we are trying
1: to show up in life today. Hey, Chloe. Yeah. Can I make a comment? Please. So this is just something that's been coming up for, that has come up for me recently and the important, the importance of discussing something with your sponsor whenever things crop up. The first thing being that, um, my sponsor likes to remind me that if I don't, Want to 10 step or don't want to be honest about something that I'm enjoying a heart, i enjoying a reputation in my heart that I know I don't deserve. It's like her favorite thing to say to me. <laughs> and then the second thing is, is sometimes like, I think that I'm 10 stepping about one thing. And then my sponsor is really good at like, showing me my selfishness and like this thing. Or like, I think that like, I'm calling to 10 step about fear. And then she's like asking me like, why I'm resentful. You know, and I didn't, like, I'm thinking when I'm calling her that, like, I already know, you know, the things, and she's really good at, like, unveiling the other things that I'm, like, asleep to in that moment, so I just wanted to share that.
2: Yeah, so good, so good, because I want to always see myself in the best possible light. I just do, and I, like, you know, we, we love talking about how hard we are on ourselves, and You know, we're harder on ourselves than anybody else is on us. And, you know, to some extent that's true, but I am also so forgiving of myself. I am always like, oh, just a little hormonal, you know, that's why I snapped at my kids this morning, PMS, or, you know, oh, I just haven't been getting a lot of sleep, and that's why, you know, I'm not being very productive at work. Like, I give myself so many cop outs, so many shortcuts. And when I can call my sponsor when I'm in the middle of something, generally the feedback I get is about selfishness and like I don't ever want to look at myself as selfish you know I just like you know my stage character you know is just like you know the (laughs) like this horrible you know like I mean really it's a martyr but you know how I see it is just this loving and giving and thoughtful and kind person and you know, underneath, really, I'm just super selfish. And I'm trying to like, you know, set the stage so that you'll do things for me in the future if I want (laughs) you to, you know. Um, And so again, that sponsorship has just been so vital, because uh, she knows me at this point, I've just shared my fifth step with her, she knows what drives me, you know, and that's really the beauty of that, you know, sponsorship relationship is she knows how I show up, she knows what my true nature is, and she can keep being a mirror for me back to that. Does anybody else have any questions at this
1: point? I have a question. Yeah. So I think this has been, it's a common thing or that we often think um, that I don't have anything to 10 step. I know that I went through that um, where I just thought like I was killing it. And then that also, I hear that a lot in, and um, in, in next step is that everything's good. I don't have anything to 10 step. What would you say to that?
2: I would say, um, I, I would say you're, that, you know, you're, you're delusional, you know, and not from a place of judgment because I am delusional too. What worked for me, so I, I, when I moved to Austin, I got this new sponsor and you know what, what that new sponsor showed me was that I had been really sponsoring myself for a long time and her, her biggest and first, well, so first of all, she sponsored a lot of people and, Um, I really wanted her to be my sponsor. And so like I misrepresented myself um, in some ways because when I first sat down with her and asked her, I said, I'm really low maintenance, you know, and and we we like now laugh about that because she was like, you know, like you were delusional is what you were. But like, I, you know, like I thought of myself as low maintenance again, like I was low maintenance because I was completely self-reliant, you know, like I, you know, didn't, like I was unsponsored really. Like I did, I had forgotten how to use a sponsor for accountability. And so when I was coming to her, I was basically like, I want you as a sponsor and name, but I don't actually want to do anything. So, you know, and again, it was like a slippery, like it was this slow, um, gradual decline into that self-reliance it doesn't happen overnight you know it's sort of like in our alcoholism the alcoholic life becomes the only normal one that was true in my recovery too that, that like my my self-reliant life became the only normal one and so when her, her first instruction to me was she wanted me tent stepping with her a minimum of three times a week and i was like yeah no problem but then i would get to the end of the week and i'd be like oh my god i haven't stepped at all And so because I was then afraid that she was going to be mad at me, you know, it's like this selfishness and this, you know, you know, like Stephanie, you were just saying, you know, like I wanted her to think a certain way of me. I wanted her to respect me. I wanted her to like me. I wanted her to think highly of me. And so I didn't want to not tense up, you know, again, very selfishly motivated, but you know, whatever gets us there, I guess it made me hyper vigilant about you know, a, a, about these, you know, selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fears that would crop up in my day. And I became very aware of how often they were there and how often I just dismissed them. Um, and so once I, you know, started being, and and I will say, here, here's the key to good 10th stepping is good 11th stepping. If I'm doing nightlies, if I'm really being vigilant about looking at My day in review. I am seeing where all of these things have cropped up. If I'm not doing a nightly, it becomes really hard to do a ten step. When I'm doing nightly, I'm looking to see, like you know, what corrective measures have to happen, where I've been resentful, where I've been selfish, and so I'm looking back through the day at all of this stuff. And so, and then upon awaken or on awakening, I'm kind of reviewing what happened yesterday, what I need to do today to make it right. Um, I may be hopefully taking those defects of character into that seventh step prayer. And then it's setting me up in my day to be really aware of where, um, you know, this resentment, dishonesty, selfishness, fear comes up. Um, and it allows me to be a better tenth stepper because I'm awake. This whole thing is just about waking up. You know, we're, this is an awakening of the spirit, but it's also awakening of our own, um, actions and beliefs and, you know, all all of these things that we've just been looking at. And, you know, the 10th, 11th and twelfth steps are all about staying awake, staying present to it and, and staying connected with God. And, um, you know, that is not about self-reliance.
1: And so I can't remember what your
2: question was. (laughs) (laughs)
1: you answered it, it's okay, but I guess the the next thing I want to ask is um, how you build awareness around those things, but you just talked about it through, um, so if somebody's not aware, like, what would you tell them to do, and you would say nightly inventory.
2: Nightly inventory, I mean, you know, again, it's, you know, this is all built on four through nine, you know, when we're sitting down and making amends for, you know, our past actions, sometimes our present actions, um, you know, we are there is no clearer way to see how we affect the people around us than to sit across from them and take ownership for our mistakes. You know, and, and if we are truly feeling the um, regret around that, around our, you know, how, how we've affected these people, then we do become a lot more aware. You know, if I really, If my actions are objectionable to me, then in turn I do become a lot more aware during my day. You know, but again, you know, it's like it is this, you know, it's a progression. The things that I could get away with in my first year of sobriety that were not objectionable to me and they didn't need to be objectionable to me today are objectionable to me. And we just we just have this path that gets more narrow. Stephanie, have I told the story? Well, I guess it's a new group of people. I I, I love this story about the, the, the early Quakers. And it's just my favorite. I talk, maybe I may have talked about it in six and seven because I do do refer to it a lot there. But, and I don't, don't fact check me because probably some of the historical pieces are a little bit wrong. But so the Quaker religion is all about like pacifism and like, you know, like this gentle spirit, this gentle nature. And it was started by this guy named, what's his name? Fox, his last name is Fox, but maybe Samuel Fox or something. We'll just call him Fox. And he, um, and so in, in America, this was during like the early, early days of America. One of our founding fathers was this guy, William Penn. And he was actually the founder of Pennsylvania. And he wanted to be a Quaker. Like he had, you know, sort of come upon this religion and um, he was, you know, really trying to adopt the tenets of it. But one of the things in those, you know, because he was this influential person in America, he was expected to wear a sword as part of his, you know, uniform, and you know it was just part of the garb that he was supposed to wear for formal events. But he knew that it was in contrast to um, what he was supposed to be doing as a Quaker because they were peaceful, and so he reached out to um, George Fox. That's the name. He reached out to George Fox and he said, like, you know, like, what do I do about the sword? And George Fox said carry the sword until you can't carry it anymore. And what he meant was, you know, at at some point, that sword will get too heavy. At some point, that sword will be objectionable to you. But until it is, it's not a problem. You know, really, it's only once things start rubbing you the wrong way that they are something that we need to look at and take care of. But it will happen. And he did, you know, I mean, the end of the story was that he did put down the sword and he didn't end up carrying it anymore, but... You know I think that's what happens for us in step ten is that there are things that we aren't aware of that they're not objectionable yet they're not things that um we are w- that we are still asleep to, but in this process of waking up and because we are continuing this for a lifetime, things that are okay today, you know a year from now, five years from now, may stop being okay and 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 that's something I think that as we become sponsors is important to recognize is that not everybody's gonna be at the same place. You know, they, we, we just aren't. All right, any other questions before we get moving on in the, in the pages? Okay, so bottom of 84, and we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol. For by this time, sanity will have returned. We'll be, we will seldom be interested in liquor. If tempted, we recoil from it as from a hot flame. We react sanely and normally, and we will find that this has happened automatically. We will see that our new attitude toward liquor has has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes, that is the miracle of it. We are not fighting it, neither are we avoiding temptation. We feel as though we have been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. We have not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. It does not exist for us. We are neither neither cocky nor are we afraid. That is our experience. That is how we react. So long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. And those are our ten step promises, and they're giant. These are huge, and these are really what we are seeking. You know, as it, we read about this in step two, right? Like we, this is what we need. We need to get to this place where we are not having. To, you know, like if if you went to treatment did any of those relapse prevention groups where you're directed to think the drink through. I knew that that wasn't going to work for me. I would never been able to do that. Um, and I had that white knuckle sobriety, trying to like stay, you know, really aware of every thought, every intention, you know, because I was so afraid I was just going to accidentally get drunk. But you know, th- wh- what this 10 step promises is that now we are placed in this position of neutrality. We are protected. We are safe. We have not sworn it off. We are not doing anything except maintaining this open channel to God. That, that, that's what my responsibility is. And as a result, I am placed in a position of um, protection. Because again, you know, and I think I talked about this the last time I was on here with you all, like this, really these 12 steps aren't about alcohol. These 12 steps are about gaining access to a power. That's all we have to do here. We gain access to a power and then we maintain that access to that power. And one of the results of doing that is that we don't drink anymore. And it's not even in my hands. Thank God, because what, you know, and I have always loved this. Like, you know, what, what God, if, if I believe that God is love and that God wants me to be happy and successful and um, have this amazing life, which I do believe, then why would God give me a choice over something that's going to kill me? You know, my brain is so broken around alcohol. Why would God give me a choice around it? He hasn't. He has taken away that problem. And my only responsibility is to stay, is, is to keep in fit spiritual condition. That's it. That's all I have to do. You know, and I think about like, we have this fatal disease. What other fatal disease um, would people be given this really simple and gratifying and amazing and you know beautiful solution um, and then, you know, have have the sufferer say, well, I don't know if I want to do all that writing. I don't know if I really want to get on my knees and pray to, you know, some dumb God. You know, like we we have this, you know, th- this way of life that gives us just so many gifts and we balk and we dra- drag our feet and we, you know, try to cut corners and, you know, and we're so, you know, we're so com- and lazy around it I am so spiritually lazy around it you know and when, again it, it that that's where it becomes a first step issue do I believe that my life depends on keeping in fit spiritual condition sometimes I don't believe it sometimes I think I'm doing a pretty good job of running the show myself any questions around that any comments can I just say something I, I feel a little overwhelmed by
1: uh, all of this because I feel like You and I are just right on together with the whole self-reliance thing when it comes to tent stepping, because I'm not good at it either before I, I just don't call my sponsor for it because I feel like I know what she's going to say or, or I kind of can, I'm self aware, you know, like I know where I'm wrong or I think I do.
2: So how do you get over that? It's about discipline. You know, it's like we are undisciplined people, right? We just are. And, you know, if, if it means that you set a timer in your phone for, you know, five o'clock each night and you call her and you just make a point of tent stepping something, you know, like it, it's just about, I mean, again, it goes back to step one. Do you believe that your life depends on it? My guess is no, you don't believe it because you think it's not that big of a deal. Not like I'm going to get drunk over this. Yeah, you are. <laughs> you know, it's like my friend Jeff talked about how it's like we are like we are a jar right we're a jar and when you know it, we're a jar filled with water and we are I don't know how he says it I'm going to make it up myself now it's mine we're in <laughs> a jar and we are throwing pebbles in all day um, of these you know these resentments these fears these dishonesties and we're you know we're, we're dropping them and dropping them in And when it gets to the top and it starts overflowing, we're drunk, right? Like, that's our relapse, right? Like, you know, but the problem is we don't know how big the jar is. The problem is we don't know how big those rocks are. And I think I do. I think that my my delusion thinks that I will see a relapse coming. You know, my delusion thinks, well, if, if I get really, you know, if I get really sick, then I'll, like, I'll see it. And I'll, then I'll catch up, I'll write that inventory, I'll call the sponsor, I'll get on my knees. But the truth is, by the time we get to that point, we are so delusional, we have no idea how sick we are. We have no idea how close to a drink we are. As soon as, like, if we're asking ourselves, like, am I, am I spiritually fit? That's a good question. Because usually, if when I am not spiritually fit, I'm not even asking myself that because I think that I am. I think I'm doing okay. You know, so m- my suggestion, Jessica, is to get back to step one, you know, like real, like spend some time really sort of re-surrendering in step one. And then it just may have to be like a discipline and, you know, write your nightly inventory every night, bring it to your, you know, on awakening in the morning, set an alarm for some time during the day that you can commit to calling her. And even if you're just ten stepping on her voicemail, you know, even if you think that it is the stupidest thing, it probably is mine are so dumb and so cringy and so like ridiculous and petty and it is so important for me to step into that and be like you know oh, my boyfriend didn't want to come over last night and I feel rejected and I feel unloved and I don't think I'll ever be able to find happiness like it is so awful <laughs> you know the things that I have to 10 step make me look so bad and you know it's It also allows my sponsor to guide me and, um, you know, like Stephanie said, you know, I want to enjoy a reputation that I don't deserve. I want to look unaffected by the dumb things in life and I'm not, my feelings get hurt. You know, I feel disrespected. All of these things that I feel like I should be further along by now. You know, I've been sober a long time. I think that I should have arrived at some sort of spiritual hilltop and I should be a lot, um, a lot more sober than I am, a lot more recovered than I am, and the truth is, like th- th- this is who I am, and we can't, we can't build a spiritual structure on the foundation of a lie. And my foundation is who I am. Who am I showing up as today? What are my flaw? What are the flaws in my makeup? That's what we're still looking at in this inventory. What are the flaws in my makeup? Well, I'm insecure. Well, I'm self reliant. Well, I'm looking to people to fill something that only God can fill. And, and when I'm willing to, you know, share that with a sponsor, then I'm, you know um,
1: th- that's the way I'm going to get better. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you. Of course. Oh, can yeah. I say something? Yeah, please. Sorry. It's just, sure. I like, I literally, my sponsor just said almost the same thing and in, in in my fist up that I just did that it's not, it's like whenever we pick up a drink, like we don't see necessarily that mental obsession coming. It's the same thing when we get into like spiritual sickness or selfishness like we can't be like oh well if i get this spiritually sick then i'll see it and i'll stop and so we have to like constantly be like doing the work and bringing it to god um because of like what you just said and so i just thought that was so cool because she literally just had that conversation with me um in our fist up
2: yeah she and i were talking about you and i, I know. A- <laughs> <laughs> just kidding
1: uh, I just wanted to, like, reaffirm that importance, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, thank you. Yeah, I,
2: I, again, I, I, my mind will try to tell me all of these ways that I don't have to be transparent with people, you know? Anybody else?
1: I have a question. So, I find it easy to identify selfishness and dishonesty around resentment and fear, But, like, I do not find it easy just to spot that throughout my day. Do you do do selfishness and dishonesty often? And, like, I don't know. How will I start identifying that other than, like, God given? You know what I mean? Like, when my higher power, like, brings me to that point.
2: That's a great time to call your sponsor. And she can help you (laughs) identify. <laughs> no I think you know they are tricky you know they are tricky they're they're unattractive and so I don't want to own them I don't want them to be me I want to be you know kind and like I, I want to look a certain way and I don't want to look selfish you know for me like I mean I think everybody's selfishness you know it has its own flavor right like um, it, it hides behind these different things and for me like a lot of times my selfishness, hides behind, um, you know, looking like I care about other people. You know, it's like, you know, it's all about the actor playing the director. That That's where my sh- mind shows up. I look like I really love you and I really care about you. And I'm just trying to give you this great advice. And if you would just follow my really good suggestions, we'd all be happy. But the truth is, My selfishness is I need you to be okay for me to be okay. And if you would just get your life together, then I wouldn't have to worry about you. You know, another favorite of mine is, you know, with selfishness is that like I show up in this way that I want my happiness, my life, I guess just my happiness to be everybody's first priority. And, um, and so my feelings get hurt when you don't like go out of your way to make sure that I'm happy first. And so like, so in, and that, and what I identify more with that is resentment because then I feel like people don't respect me. I feel like people, you know, don't show up for me. I feel like people don't care about me, but the truth is, if I look underneath it, it's usually a self, a, um, a selfishness of, I have set things up where I want you to prioritize my happiness. But you know, f- for me, like I, I do write a lot of four column inventory even today. I do because I like I just can miss stuff. I do tent step this stuff because I can miss stuff. But nightlies are really like, you know, that that's on a day-to-day basis where I can see this stuff, you know? So I was just teasing you, Mandy, about your sponsor. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right, anything else? Okay, let's go back in here. And again, like just to kind of, because we didn't really talk about what I just read very much. But again, the, like the biggest promise that we we get in step 10 is that we don't drink anymore. You know, we, we can't, even when the thought crosses our mind, which it will, it will sometimes occur to me that like, oh, hey, you know, like I'm in the liquor section at the grocery store or I'm in a hotel out of town. Nobody would know. My next thought is reacting as if from a hot flame, and if I am not reacting as if from a hot flame, then there is something wrong with my spiritual condition you know and, and so if I'm sitting there thinking about it for a while and plotting it, that is a huge indicator that there is something wrong with my spiritual condition if I am you know like and, and I, if these are outside issues I'm not going to really get into it, but you know we, we find ways of just like skirting past things, whether it's like desserts with alcohol in them or, you know, maybe CBD oil or, you know, let I me, mean, again, like, I don't want to really get into that because, you know, painkillers, right? Like there's all sorts of medications um, against outside issues, but there are ways that I will justify treating my spiritual condition. And, you know, again, it go, like if we take this several steps back, when i when it first crossed my mind if i did not react as if from a hot flame then you know that's the indicator of my spiritual condition you know if that makes sense if i am spiritually fit then i can't do any of those things i will you know i will recoil and that's what that's what i depend on because i my sound reasoning has failed to hold me in check over and over and over again throughout my life i cannot rely on my sound reasoning when it comes to alcohol therefore i have to maintain this fit spiritual condition so that i don't have to be the one trying to monitor myself okay middle of 85 it is easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels so this is you know this is a big warning here it's easy to do that you know this is a program of action This isn't a program of contemplation. This isn't a program of self-reflection. This is a program of action. And this is all, all about forward motion. We are headed for trouble if we do, for alcohol is a subtle foe. And that's what we were just talking about, right? We're the last to know. We are not cured of alcoholism. What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Now, does everybody understand what being a recovered alcoholic is. If you've lived for long in AA, there's a, you know, it's it's a source of contention for some people. But what this is telling me is I'm not cured of alcoholism. I am recovered. It's it's like if I, you know, broke my leg, I can be cured of that broken leg. I can, you know, I, I can heal from that. I can, I can be, that can be fixed. I can be recovered from that broken leg. It does not mean that I can't break it again and again. That that's what we're talking about here. We are not cured of alcoholism. You know, uh, we have to maintain this this connection with God so that we can so we can remain recovered. So what we really have is this daily reprieve, and it is contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. This and by maintenance, it doesn't mean that we're complacent. It doesn't mean that we're not that we're not moving forward. All of this is about forward motion. Every day is a day when we must carry the vision of God's will into all of our activities. That's a big one. Every day we have to do that. And here's a prayer. How can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. These are thoughts which must go with us constantly. That's the second must there. We can exercise our willpower along this line, all we wish. It is the proper use of the will. And now, you know, in the third step, we talked quite a bit about, about will. And what these steps are trying to do is to take, you know, God's will and to take our will and to align them so that, they, so that we, we are trying, so that we're doing the same thing, you know, but I want to be all over the place. I want, you know, my will is, when, again, when I'm operating out of fears, when I'm operating out of resentments, when I'm full of dishonesty and selfishness, I'm trying to get everything I can get out of the show. I'm trying to look good. I'm trying to force you to think of me in a certain way. And so my will and God's will are not lining up. And again, four through nine is all about aligning our will. And, you know, 10, 11, and 12 is about keeping that alignment, keeping keeping me close to God and, you know, exercising my willpower along God's willpower, all that I want. It's the proper use of the will. Much has already been said about receiving strength, inspiration, and direction from Him who has all knowledge and power. If we have carefully followed directions, we have begun to sense the flow of His Spirit into us. To some extent, we have become God conscious. We have begun to develop this vital sixth sense, but we must go further, and that means more action. You know, again, we've got that word action there again. You know, this is, um, this is all about action. And if we're not doing a whole lot, then um, that's a pretty good indicator that, that our spiritual condition is probably suffering or going to suffer from it. So, you yeah. know, th- this, that last paragraph is where we need to live. You know, we need to live in that place where, you know, we are sensing the flow of his spirit into us, where we have become God conscious. Um, You know, we're desperately looking for inspiration, for strength, direction from God, because, you know, if we are trying to live with our will aligning with his will, you know, that's where we access that new way of living, um, where hopefully we're causing less harm for the people around us. Do you guys have
1: questions, comments? All right. Well, Chloe, thank you very much for joining us. I'll see the Tuesday group at 110. And then Ellen from the Thursday group is telling her story tonight at seven on the regular Maggie's meeting link. If you guys want to tune in to support your next step sister. All right. Bye.
2: This podcast is from the Magdalene house, a recovery community for alcoholic women. We are a nonprofit organization located in Dallas, Texas, and we provide comprehensive recovery services to alcoholic women at absolutely no cost. You can learn more and support our mission at magdalenhouse.org.